So beauty, when you think about it, taking a step back, it's fantastic for e-commerce and online sales because it's a tiny product. It ships very easily. We have a very high skew count. So you're going to have 40 shades of Fenty's foundation. You know, it's very difficult to store in a kiosk on the corner of Manhattan, for instance. But at the same time, it is a, a chemical that goes on your face. And so there's a very high barrier to understanding that a product will actually work for you. And understandably, people are very hesitant to actually clicking a buy button for a chemical that's going to go on their face that they've never really you know, physically interacted with before. And so I would say that the biggest barrier is just the inherent complexity of the product and the fact that it has a chemical interaction with your skin. And that's something that requires a lot of confidence to actually you know, spend your hard-earned money on. Uh, and so you know, while that is a very difficult challenge to get over in order to get somebody to actually buy a product, there's so many ways in which you can address that difficulty and at least get somebody more confident about making a purchasing decision than they would be otherwise. And examples of that would be showing them videos of people with their skin tone applying the product and distilling the insights that the online beauty community has arrived at about this product. Like, does it work for different skin types? What types of people tend to review this product most highly, et cetera. Even all the way to facilitating intelligent sample delivery. So if you understand that a product might be right for you, but you're not sure exactly which shade is right, well, at that point, it makes a lot of sense for a brand through an, you know, an intelligent retailer like Mira to distribute a couple different shades of that product in sample form to your house so you can understand, hey, this actually is a great fit for me. And then you would go through it and, and buy the full-size product. So while it is a very difficult challenge, that's not to say there aren't ways that we can make serious progress in helping consumers find the right product that actually meets their needs and preferences through the digital media Amazon. However, Amazon isn't really built for beauty. There's a lot of problems with it. Like for instance, you don't know if you're getting a fake product or if it's going to be expired, there's issues with quality. But then furthermore, Amazon is really tailored to a more transactional uh, shopping style where you show up, there's one click purchase, you know, you click the button and you get the product in your mailbox. When you go to a product page, it'll show you an image of a product, the name of the product and maybe a couple reviews, but not much more. And what we noticed is that beauty is a much more experiential purchase. When you go shopping for beauty products, you don't just come to, you know, see the product and click buy, but rather you have to get acclimated to the idea of actually incorporating that product into your life. And what that means is you need to see videos of folks who you personally identify with actually applying that product. So you can understand the pigmentation of it and, you know, the different sort of tactile sensations around that product uh, as you see the person move it in their hands. And, you know, similarly, you need to read reviews that actually speak to the things that are, are relevant in cosmetic products. So it's not enough to just scan through 40 reviews. You actually have to see, does the community think this is brightening or not? And that's not something that you know Amazon will really facilitate. So one huge part of our differentiation is we've built those software features that allow people who are specifically buying beauty products to understand, is this beauty product going to work for me or not? In a very personalized and authentic manner, uh, such that you know other sort of beauty marketplaces cannot replicate. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you. I'm glad you noticed that. It's a, a feature of our platform that we're really proud of. We kind of noticed that most platforms, when they talk about products, they talk about them from the physical details, but that's not how our customers think about it. Their buying choices are really a manifestation of their values. And if we can bring that to the forefront and say, hey, we understand that you are idiosyncratic, you have certain things that you believe, and we want to help guide your shopping process based upon 
those beliefs, those values, then that's a huge value add to consumers. And I think that the best example of that is you'll see people searching on Sephora, on Amazon, what have you, uh, you know, looking for black owned products. Well, there's not very, a very easy way to do that. However, that is something that's very important to consumers. And so this is yet another way in which we differentiate from other marketplaces. So the question was, you know, do we plan to expand this? And then furthermore, uh, you know, Beyond that, uh, are we? How do we actually go about segmenting different brands into these different lifestyle categories? Well, fortunately for a lot of them, it ends up being pretty easy. For something like vegan, that's a you know a perfectly objective thing you could look at for the most part and say this product is vegan. We looked at the ingredients list; it is in fact not using any animal product, and therefore we can give it that uh, you know the correct attribution there. However, for things like um, you know let's say clean beauty very poorly defined. Clean beauty means different things to different people. And you'll actually notice as a result, we don't have a clean beauty lifestyle category on Mira. It's something that is just so impossibly slippery that if we had it there, we just felt like it would actually mislead consumers. And so the categories that we've chosen today are those which have some type of a scientific definition that we can point to externally and say, hey, this is something that the FDA has certified as being a distinction among products. We're going to go ahead and use theirs. So we're not really inventing things internally to, to describe different lifestyles. As for the expansion of that, absolutely. This is one of our, our most popular things. I mean, you're not the first to notice the fact that we have lifestyle categories on Mira. People ask for more. You know, we've received, I uh, just actually had a woman uh, email me the other day who's one of our customers and said, it would be amazing if you had a gluten-free category. Well, that's relatively easy for us to do. You know, we are a, a, a data shop, meaning we have a bunch of data scientists and engineers who are super talented inside of the company. For us to identify which products have gluten-free properties is relatively straightforward. And if it makes her shopping journey easier and it allows her to better find the products that meet her needs and preferences, then that's a priority for us. Uh, so yeah, we'll continue expanding this as we build the company. It's, it's a, definitely a top line priority for us. Well, you know, with uh, with early stage ventures like this, a lot of the time it's really difficult to connect the dots going forward. So I'd love to tell you, you know, what we envision for it. However, over time, even as we've built Mira thus far, we've found some things out or we've learned new things that have radically altered the course of our business and, and made it, you know, much stronger. And an example of that is, for instance, we learned about the importance of sampling and how we can help facilitate that. And how this is going to be, you know, a major area of investment in our business going forward that actually delivers a lot of value to consumers. And I wouldn't have been able to tell you a year ago that sampling was going to play a huge role in our business. That being said, for any initiative that we specifically invest in, it's always building towards a larger goal, which I hope is represented 10 years from now, which is we want to be the digital town square for beauty. And by that, I mean, we are the place that you come to to engage in all of your beauty related behaviors, whether you are a customer, you know, or, or somebody who's just, just trying to learn about beauty or a brand who's trying to sell their beauty products and find the right consumer base. You come to Mira, that's where the conversation around beauty happens. That's where you're gonna get authentic and transparent information. And that's where commerce actually occurs as well. And so we, we hope to really be sort of the Amazon for experiential purchases and, and beauty in particular. Yeah, absolutely. Well. So the first thing to note about sampling is that the industry is kind of in the dark ages where it's incredibly opaque and furthermore, very inefficient. And by that, I mean opaque. Well, it's very difficult to receive analytics back on the samples that you distribute to people so you can understand the impact that those samples have had. You don't know when you hand a sample over to Ipsy or Birchbox or Sephora, did that actually lead to a purchase? And beyond that, you don't receive any CRM data back 
You don't know if that person came back to the website and viewed your product page. You don't know anything about that customer's buying behaviors in the first place. So, you know, what other kinds of products are they shopping for? What did they buy when they received your sample? You know, what brands are they most interested in? Uh, and, you know, lastly, it's, it's not as though you're able to build a relationship with that consumer after you give them the sample. They just sort of go off and, and do their, their own buying behaviors. And when, it, when I say inefficient, I mean, the people who receive your sample, when you give it out to an Ipsy or a Sephora or somebody like that, it's kind of a one size fits all type of program today where everybody sees the same 10 samples when they check out at Sephora. And so, you know, chances are your sample might be going to somebody, if you're a skincare company, it might be going to somebody who's purely a makeup buyer. Or if you're distributing your samples through Durham store, everybody receives the same sample if they buy within a certain six hour period. And so the, the target segment that you're going after are the people who are actually likely to enjoy your products and be retentive high LTV users of your brand are not the ones who are receiving the sample. And that means that you're wasting a lot of time and money distributing samples to people who are unlikely to actually bring value to your brand. So we envision a future in which there's a much more efficient and transparent way to go about distributing samples to customers who are actually going to enjoy them. And we call that intelligent gift with purchase. That's where when, when brands provide their samples to us, when somebody comes to check out, we have gathered a bunch of information about what really drives that shopper. And that's what are they interested in? What types of products they like to browse? Do they have a preference for certain lifestyles, et cetera? And so we can say to them, hey, here are the, the top samples that we think you're actually likely to enjoy. And we facilitate the delivery of those samples to the customer. And so this beautiful narrative emerges where everybody gets something that they want when we facilitate this intelligent sample delivery. Customers, obviously, get more stuff for free with their cart, but also it's stuff, samples that specifically speak to their needs and preferences, which is really powerful and is not the case on other platforms. We get you know, more satisfied, more attentive customers who come to our platform to do product discovery, not only through the, the screen, but also through the physical medium of receiving samples and physical products in the real world. And finally, brands get the, you know, not only the ability to be much more targeted in who the consumers are who receive their samples, because we're able to, you know, be a little bit more intelligent about that. But also, we have no qualms in providing anonymized data back to brands describing the consumer behaviors around their product. And so we'll tell them, hey, of the people who actually ended up receiving your sample, this percent came back and purchased the full size product. Or the people who received your sample ended up coming back to our website and spending a lot more time reading the reviews on your product page. So you can actually uh, assess the e efficacy of your sampling campaign and understanding this is or is not driving value for your brand, which you know historically has really not been something that these, these folks have engaged in. So really excited to pilot this program. We actually just spun it up and we'll be going live with it starting November 2nd. I know several personalized beauty brands and I think it's a great trend and it's definitely the direction we're going in. Even the brands that don't claim to be personalized are producing more skin tones of their foundations, more skews. And in general, we're seeing the beauty world really fragment and become more nuanced as customers' demands for personalization increase. And so there's, there's no direction but that direction that we're gonna be traveling in. That being said, it's not as though a marketplace like ours can't facilitate the sale of products like that. So a great example is there's a brand called Proven. It's based in San Francisco. The CEO and, and founder is actually a friend of mine. And they will make recommendations for which products in their catalog are ideal for a customer. Well, that's something that Mira is perfectly well suited to do as well. They basically just uh, hook into their algorithm and say, for any customer who comes through, we're going to go ahead and ask them these questions on your behalf. Then we'll deliver the answers to the brand and the brand will decide, hey, 
this is the product that we'd like to offer the customer. So I think that our brand actually, compared to any of the traditional retailers, is much better suited to personalized cosmetics like this because we have the ability to work directly with brands like that to merge our algorithms together in order to deliver the best SKUs to the end customer. Absolutely. Well, democracy at its purest form means power to the people. And I think this is a trend that we have seen in the beauty industry over the last 50, 60, 70 years, where it used to be the case that if you were going to buy a cosmetic product, you would go into a department store. This is you know in the 1950s, 1960s, and the brands would have booths set up and they would sell you their product and they would be doing a sales pitch on you. And so you're really only hearing the narrative that the brand had to say. And then you know we moved into a model where uh, you have retailers like Sephora, and still it's the case that Sephora is trying to push their portfolio on you. And so there's a single narrative that they're trying to sell you, which is this product is good for these reasons, but you're not necessarily, excuse me, necessarily hearing that validated by other folks, uh, you know, who you personally identify with, who you know are authentic, who are sort of validating the, the brands and the retailers' claims. And so now, fast forward into 2020. Well, increasingly, what we're seeing is the world of beauty is fragmenting. Like I mentioned earlier, you have people on social media talking about their favorite products, and you have the existing online beauty community really electing the brands that they think are best at different things. So some folks would say, hey, I, you know, I love Glossier because it is so good for X, Y, and Z. And you'll hear that echoed by several other consumers. I would consider that a democratic decision. The people have said Glossier is really great for certain aspects. So Mira's, what we're trying to do at Mira is basically capture that democratic movement of consumers saying they like products for, for certain reasons and represent that on our platform. So consumers don't need to do the legwork of going out and finding what the sort of collective perspective is online by themselves. Instead, we do that for them. We use artificial intelligence to capture the entire conversation. We distill it down to the relevant insights and deliver that to consumers in a very personalized manner. And so instead of hearing what the brand wants you to hear, you're instead hearing what other consumers like you have said this product is good for, or rather the collective perspective, as we call it. Well, when you start thinking about the different applications of artificial intelligence in the shopping journey, there are so many. And you mentioned analyzing your face shape in order to find maybe contouring methods that are great for you, or analyzing your skin tone in order to find the best shade of a product. These are all things that we think are very exciting and we intend to invest in. However, that being said, the most important thing in, in developing any type of artificially intelligent system is having high quality data there in the first place. So that means that we need to have the world's largest product catalog. We need to have the world's largest catalog of cosmetic videos that describe that product so we can understand what types of people like to use the product in the first place, large catalog of reviews, et cetera. And while we will consistently be adding features like the ones you recommend uh, that are sort of help facilitate the consumer journey, one lifelong pursuit of Mira the company is gonna be to continually accumulate more and more data describing products so we can really provide the best description of what products are good for in the first place and kind of provide the raw fuel for our algorithms to succeed. But you know, just to give you a sneak peek at a couple of the things that are on a roadmap, uh, absolutely looking at virtual try-on. We know a lot of folks really enjoy using that and it's fortunately not that difficult to do in 2020. So you can you know, scan your face, you can see what different pigmentations might look like on your skin. You, uh, you know, can even connect with other folks who look like you and talk about you know, your joint struggles in finding the right contouring method or the right way to apply eyeshadow. But artificial intelligence, while it plays a huge role in the shopping journey, we also understand that the human element is super key. And so instead of just saying, hey, the algorithm is gonna tell you everything, 
We're also planning to add beauty pros to the platform. And so you can enter into a consultation with a beauty pro who we specifically recommend for you, who will be able to give her personal touch or his personal touch and say, based upon the skin conditions that you've told me about, I recommend this product for these reasons and actually have you know a human to human chat. And we think that's also very powerful in helping people find the products that meet their needs and preferences. Sure, biggest obstacle is easy. The hardest part of building a company is always recruiting. And that's not because there's a lack of good talent out there. It's just because if recruiting is not the hardest thing you're doing, then you're recruiting wrong. That should be, you know, as a founder, 80% of the time you spend should be finding the smartest people who are going to come and work on your product because the smarter the people, the better the product at the end of the day. And that's really your role. And so I'm incredibly fortunate to be working with a, a team of the smartest people I've ever met. Uh, it's always a joy to get into the office with them. And that's continually going to be the thing that we invest most time and effort in is, is making sure that we have talented folks on board. Uh, in terms of the biggest facilitator, well, COVID. Uh, and it, it's, it's tough to say that COVID has been a good thing. I mean, in so many ways, it's been terrible to say nothing of in the United States alone, we've had, I think it's approaching a quarter of a million deaths. That's terrible. And I would you know never wish that on anybody. But once we you know, get get past or you know, think about the other impacts of COVID. Well, one of the things we've seen is prior to COVID and quarantine, we saw very low engagement rates with e-commerce for beauty, which makes sense because, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it's a chemical that you're putting on your face and you probably want to feel that in person. But over the last, I think, six months, we've seen equivalent e-commerce growth to the previous 10 years, which is incredible. And so we've seen consumer behaviors rapidly shift from in-store purchasing to online purchasing, which is fantastic for our team. You know, we've seen that the, excuse me, the traditional beauty retailers have systematically underinvested in developing their e-com presence, whereas that's the only thing that we're doing. You know, we're we're 100% in on e-commerce. And so this means that we are very well situated to take advantage of the wind at our back, if you will, uh, and this emerging consumer behavior of sp people spending more time online researching buying products. And so, you know, while uh, we're incredibly sad to see the, you know, the negative impacts of COVID, I do think this has accelerated our industry in many ways. Well, the, the inspiration for the name or the, the reason that it's stuck is that it means so many different things. It's first of all, it's a short name. It's punchy. It has an effeminate flavor to it, Mira, although it could go either way, effeminate, gender neutral or masculine. Uh, and it's also a woman's name, which is important to note. But my favorite sort of double meaning to it is that it's a command to look in Spanish, which has many applications in beauty, obviously. But I think the, the funniest part is the story of how we arrived at this name. So I was living in Japan at the time and discussing with my friend how, how I wanted to build a digital mirror that you could look into and it would help facilitate your beauty discovery your beauty exploration and help you find the right products to purchase. And uh, saying the word mirror with a Japanese accent, it came out sounding like Mira. And we both looked at each other and we said, that's a great name. We should make that a company. That's it. Yeah, so that was that was the initial spark I mean, or inspiration. 